You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Hi, I'm Ralph Powell, co founder and CEO of Real Vision. Thank you so much for listening to the Real Vision podcast. At Real Vision, we pride ourselves on providing the best in-depth expert analysis available to help you understand the complex world of finance, business, and the global economy. If you like what you hear, I hope you'll accept my invitation to try Real Vision Plus for 30 days for just $1. Visit realvisionpodcast.com today and join us as we navigate the financial world together. Cheers. Welcome to the podcast version of the Knock on Effect, where we start with a thing you know and end up in a strange place. So we give you a video show every week on every Thursday for Real Vision subscribers. Um, on the podcast, we like to maybe go a little bit deeper, have a little more fun with it. Dig into some of the facts a little more. Yes, yes. We, we usually add the facts for this one. So okay. that, yeah. <laughs> Unlike the video version. Get rid of all the fake things and then we... Um, Anyway, I'm, I'm Alex Rosenberg here with... Justine Underhill. All right. Um, and we're going to talk about why Trump's tariffs will keep the glo- global cork industry afloat. Diction, Alex. Diction. Trump's tariffs will keep the global cork industry afloat. Very good. Thank Very you. good. And usually Justine is guessing when I'm leading the knock-on effect, but you actually know the answer now. Now I know. So in the video, I didn't know, but and I really was guessing. This one, I do know the answer, so I won't be guessing. I read once that people like as much explanation of the concept as possible at the beginning of a podcast. So we're just going to do another 10 minutes of explanation of what we're going to talk about, and then we'll do like two minutes of of content. (laughs) Uh, So Let's get right to it. (laughs) Yeah, that's what we'll say in 10 minutes once we actually start. No, uh, so so Trump's tariffs will keep the global core industry afloat. we're going to start by telling you about, I know, the addiction, but we're going to start by telling you about what's going on, which you probably already know that Donald Trump is not as pro-free trade as a lot of recent presidents have been, arguably any modern uh, president, and it was part of his campaign, and he's followed through to his credit, so imposing tariffs on the EU, Canada, uh, and Mexico, and talking about imposing $50 billion, or tariffs on $50 billion of industrial goods in trade with China. Right. And there's been this whole confusion about the trade we're actually being on hold. And then it seems like it's not on hold. And so right now with China, they're off hold now. They're off hold. Yeah. They said that it seemed like they weren't going to um, buy. There's some agreement to buy U.S. goods. And they said that they wouldn't do it because it seemed like the U.S. might threaten more tariffs. Yeah. yeah. So Trump sent a tweet saying, you know, it's so unfair that, uh, that we let people access our markets for free. This is like a soap opera. It's like it's on one day, it's off the next day. Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, so, 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 so I'll keep it a soap opera and, and reserve the political comments. But um, so that's the kind of the, the headline. And then from, so that's the start of, of this journey uh, as we're going to get to Cork, I promise you. But next we go to the retaliation that you already so kindly jumped the gun. And oh, uh, no, yes. that's fine. Uh, and so China has import, imposed their own duties or tariffs on U.S. food imports. 
um, including pork, I'm reading here from a Financial Times article, including pork, fruit, nuts, and wine of up to 25%, so uh, an extra duty of 25% as a result of the Trump administration's new tariffs on steel and aluminum imports. Beijing said the additional duties on 128 kinds of products would be introduced, quote, to safeguard China's interests and balance the losses caused by the United States' additional tariffs. That was a lot. It was mostly food and drink. Yeah, it's I mean, interesting that so we're doing steel and other things, and they're doing food and drink, pork, wine. Yeah, I mean that, that's that's because we don't really. I mean, there are things the U.S. exports, but but food, but food to China is a big pork, one, and pork especially has been a big one. Pork and you know all these expensive foods have, have been a huge growth industry. But we're gonna we're gonna focus on the the wine. Ah, what a surprise! Yes. So I just want to give a little more expose here. Good.、Uh, Alex is a huge wine connoisseur. I would like to say wine monger, but I realize that is not the correct terminology. You can no. only be a cheese monger or fish monger, but not a wine monger. Well, I don't sell. Oh, you have to sell it to be a yeah, monger. Yeah, fish monger doesn't. Oh, I just thought it was. You thought it was someone who likes fish? Yeah, I thought so. I've been using that incorrectly apparently. But anyway, so you are a wine connoisseur I, I or a wine, wine aficionado, I... a wine snob. Okay. Might you say? He buys hundreds of dollars of wine every month. <laughs> Is my definition for that. I don't know if that's well. Some months. You'll,、uh, you'll drop. You'll drop quite a bit at a restaurant, right? Yeah, if the if the company's paying, so、uh, I'm gonna talk about the wine tariffs specifically. So, according to the California Wine Institute, Chinese tariffs on U.S. wine imports have risen from 48.2 percent to 67.7 percent. Huge, I mean, huge, really costs for Chinese consumers, and, and it's really gonna slow down. That's crazy. That in the、US、first、sales. place, that the the taxes were fifty percent. So if there was a a bottle of a, let's say I don't know a fifty dollar bottle of wine, it would be seventy five dollars in China, or actually more. It was fifty percent. Now it's sixty seven. Yeah, exactly. So, so you're so, almost paying paying double what what you should. That's insane. And so that I guess I, that must be really tough for the、uh, California wine growers. Well, it's it's interesting because if you look at the list of、uh, wine imports to China, the U.S. is Pretty far down the list. It's, I think it's only、oh. fifth or sixth、um, largest importer, largest exporter to China. But that could be because of the taxes. Yeah, the taxes don't help. I mean, the they get a lot of their cheap wine from Chile. They get fine wine from France, and、um, they also get fine wine from Australia. They're actually Australia is the second biggest exporter of wine to China, behind only、mm. France. And so this is the the next knock-on effect. So we're going from. Tariffs to retaliation to the Australia boon, boon, boon. So、uh, Australian imports, like I said, they're a big exporter to China, and those exports have risen 51 percent year over year. They've shipped 750 million dollars worth of wine in the first three months of 2018 alone. Okay. And they are helped by their tax treatment. So at the beginning of this year, the the Chinese tariffs on Australian wine were cut from. Five point six percent to two point eight percent. Wow,、and、that's a lot lower than what the U.S. pays. Absolutely, and those tariffs are are going to be scrapped completely at the start of twenty nineteen. So they won't pay any no no taxes. Yes, and so that that's the status Chile currently enjoys, and so Australia would as if and as、uh, China does increase and, and they are doing it, increasing tariffs on U.S. wine. China,、uh, Australia really does stand it. A couple points there.、Uh, 
I didn't, I wasn't really aware of Australia's wine market. I didn't even know that they were that big of a producer. They, so they're, you've, you've had Yellowtail probably, right? Yeah, I've had so Yellowtail. That's, that's Australian wine. Yeah, there's the kangaroo on there, so and I guess it, that makes it obvious. Yeah, it, it, some people call it critter wine. Like there's, there's a kind of a whole set of cheap, you know, plonk, I think might be a, maybe that's a British term. This is another word I don't know. Yeah, it, it's kind of, kind of a crappy wine from oh, Australia, okay. frankly. It's fine, it's not, it's not terrible. Like Yelltail is, is fine, but it's not fine wine. But Australia also makes some, some really, really impressive wine. Okay, and so, so their, their market, I mean, they, they compete with Chile and they compete with some of the other Yeah, I mean, they, 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 they make, you know, as fine wine goes, it's, they probably do more fine wine than Chile. It's, wow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nice. It's like kind of, a, it's, a, it's warm in a lot of Australia, so it's kind of fruity. Um, they're really into, into Syrah, but they pronounce it with an Australian accent, so it's called Shiraz if it's from Australia. Ah. That's a little fun fact. Syrah and Shiraz are the same grape. I know why you wanted to do this episode. Why? Just because you wanted to show up your wine knowledge. Show wine knowledge, yes. I knew that. But I, I had another point. It's, it's crazy because what you see right here is that obviously, I mean, from my point of view, there is some sort of game playing going on because it's not like China is trying to restrict you know, wine in the in, right. in their country, um, which is why they're putting these crazy high tariffs on it. No, they're just specifically applying it to California or U.S. wines and not applying it to other countries. So there is there is some tactical games going on. Yeah, and in fact, even Australian wine has had some trouble in just recent weeks where Australia has been thinking about passing this bill that China doesn't like, and China has apparently held up some Australian wine shipments in their ports. So Australia... So, so China, pardon me, they, it's not a secret to them that they are the source of the world's growth and that they are becoming a hugely important nation in terms of consumption, not just production, and they're using that power to their advantage. Wow. So if you're if you're a wine producer, you want to make sure that you're pleasing the Chinese consumer. It's interesting, though, because maybe they have completely different tastes. Maybe they like different types of wine than what other people like. Yeah, well, so that's, that's, that's what's kind of interesting to me is that they, right now, Syrah or Shiraz, is very popular in China. Cabernet is absolutely huge. Cabernet Sauvignon, which is mm -hmm. you know the king of all grapes, quote unquote, um, and that's what that's what uh, primary ingredient Bordeaux. Uh, come on, ask me something I'm, else. I'm, ask rolling, me something I'm else. rolling my eyes here. All right. Okay. Um, no, no, but 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 in all seriousness, so far they've enjoyed somewhat you know standard kind of quality uh, red wines, and typically you know they, they really enjoy French wines, and even though in the U.S. or in Britain. If you eat Chinese food, you'd probably order like a, a, a white wine, a sweet white wine. Of course, Chinese food, saying Chinese food is almost like saying European food. But, right. um, but, but, but it is interesting because so far they have preferred the same expensive wines as the rest of the world. But I wonder if we'll start to see their, their tastes, you know, change express, the express wine market. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I want to take a, take a detour here mm. and talk about different... <laughs> That's Justine's way of saying, what? What have we been taking so far? Yeah, what have, what have we been doing? <laughs> um, so, and talking about different ways that wine is closed and opened. Ah, I see where this is going. Actually, I know where this is yeah, going. Yeah, you know where this is going. Come on, Great. come on, fool the people here. No. Um, so, so I have here two wine bottles, um, one from Penfolds, which is, you'll see, is, is closed with a cork, mm. and another called the scribbler which is closed with a screw top and it's funny because like looking at a screw top bottle i clearly see that this is a lower quality wine right no so so you're you're, you're playing right in my hands here because 
screw caps are, are often associated with lower quality wines, and you know there's some truth in that. Uh, there is a thought that great wines or wines that you age, and aging does better in corks, although screw caps are getting better at oxidizing the wine perfectly as well. Um, now, in the world, somewhere between 65 and 80 percent of, of wines are closed with a cork. But it's a different story in Australia. In Australia, according to the Sydney Morning Herald, 99 bottles out of every 100 are sealed with a screw cap. You could have just said 99 percent. I know. They said 99 bottles out of every 100 in the article, and I was like, I thought that's kind of cool. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, nine, <laughs> 188 bottles out of every... Well, uh, you can do the math there. No, but, no, okay, I can't. so so they their production of screw caps is a lot higher than another country. And and there's a kind of funny, interesting, funny, you know, fun, like a funny one, historical reason why, which is that cork. So cork is, by the way, it's made from a cork oak. It's a tree that makes cork. Right, and that's what country is that mostly from? Port, Portugal makes about a little more than half of the world's cork. Wow, and. But back in the 70s, uh, you know, the best cork would go to fashion. The next best cork would go to Europe's Fashion best... being like... You know, people wear cork shoes, it says here. Oh, okay. Reading off this paper. <laughs> okay, you know, that's the thing. The Sydney well, it sounds like that girl. would be like um, squishy on your feet. That would feel good. Why not? Uh, and then... Like my, like my floors. So I have cork floors. Do you, do you wear them around? No, but it's very comfortable to walk on cork. So I, I think that is, it makes sense to have them in your shoes. There and you this go. has been sponsored by the Cork Shoers of America. <laughs> so the, the, uh, the, sec, the, the, the best, wow, let's stay on track here, Justine. Uh, the best quality, uh, the cork shoe is on the other foot. The best quality cork go, went to the- I don't uh, know about that one. Designers, the second best quality went to the other, uh, to the best winemakers and then to the next best winemakers, to the next best winemakers. Australia, which was really a forgotten market, very far from Portugal, by the way. I mean, try walking there and cork shoes, am I right? So uh, they would get the worst quality cork. I don't think, yeah, we... <laughs> and... No, these jokes are bad. <laughs> these jokes are pretty bad. But what would happen was um, cork, if it's bad, like those jokes... Like your jokes. Yes, have uh, something called TCA. It, it's... Basically, it, it oxidizes the wine, destroy, completely destroys the wine, makes it vinegar, it's undrinkable. Okay, so basically because Australia was this forgotten cork market, you know, they got the dregs, the detritus of the cork. Sure. Um, they ended up with... Uh, with a lot of cork taint, and they said, screw this, we're doing screw caps. Oh, that's First time nice. I thought of that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and, and so... It became, you know, and it actually became kind of hip and cool. I mean, Australia is a new sort of wine market. Yeah. Um, and so, so what happened was, so, you know, reading here in 20, 2004, Taylor Wines made a move to bottle all their wines under screw cap. And so if you buy Australian wines, you know, even, it, certainly in Australia, but even in the U.S. and the rest of the world, you will often find um, a screw cap at the top of it, even on their finest red wines. Yeah, it's funny, though, because in a lot of, like, people that signals lower quality and so you I guess you would undervalue that sort of wine. Yeah. And it has arguably led to problems for, for Australian wines in even the uh. US market. But in ch the China market it, it it's even more serious than that. So uh, according to a study by Wine Intelligence, they looked at um, different countries, their preferences for different ways you can close the wine. So there's cork, there's screw caps, 
There are crown caps, which is what is in soda for, for a specific kind of wine. There's boxes. Boxes. Cans are becoming very popular. I've seen in the US. canned wine, yeah. And of all the cork preferring nations, China was the most skeptical towards screw cap, reading here from, from the Cantor magazine. And uh, 32% of Chinese said they did not like buying wines with screw caps. A uh, different study found that 85% said the presence of a cork stopper influences their wine selection. Yeah, because that's where it's like you perceive higher quality, you perceive prestige by having a cork. Sure, and, and, and there are some other factors at work here. First of all, they're used to wine from France, where it's very, you know, the great wines of France, you, you really won't see a screw cap at all. And there's also the problem of counterfeiting. And a cork tells you a lot more about a wine than a screw cap. Because a cork, when you take it out, if, for instance, let, let's say you bought a wine that said that is supposed to be from 1960. Mm -hmm. The first of all, if you, the cork tells you if it was kept in a good condition, because is the cork shriveled up, mm. or is the, the cork looking good? And then once you actually take the cork out, does the cork look like it's dry, or does it look like the wine slowly soaked it over the years? Yeah. And if it's dry, you might have bought a counterfeit bottle of wine. Oh, so you actually want the wine soaked cork? Yes, I mean now it can become a problem eventually the cork can break down and da, da, da. but That's interesting, but I mean this fits in with the the food safety issues in China So I know that that's been a huge deal and because of food safety issues people are staying away from chemicals And so things like aluminum the idea of having a screw top might be something that Chinese consumers would want to stay away from I mean so this kind of fits in with that narrative. Yeah, so there are a lot of reasons why and, and Yeah, so, so actually the Portuguese uh, Trade Association has been going into China and saying, doing a no aluminum campaign, trying to argue for all natural cork and wow. And so so yeah, so between the counterfeit. That's crazy that there's a lobby for cork. Hey, that's a big it's a big business in in, in Portugal. Um, so anyway, all this has led these Australian winemakers, and this is our this is our our I guess ultimate knock on effect because we went from the tariffs to the retaliation to the boon for Australia, to catering to China, and now to the cork industry staying afloat. Because what will happen is, Australia, when they send their wine to China, will close it in corks rather than screw caps. Uh, according to the, you, you heard about how many uh, Australian bottles are closed with, with a screw cap. According to the Portuguese cork company, Amarin, maybe they're a little biased, but 80% of the wines that Australia and New Zealand send to China are sealed with a cork. And uh, I'm reading from again from Decanter. By the way, if anyone's listening to this from Decanter, you guys completely nailed it. This, wow! Yeah. But, do, you, do you subscribe to the Decanter magazine? Oh, of course, I love them. Big, it's a big monthly big subscription. De, big decanting, decant, decanthead. Decanthead. <laughs> decant I'll let you. I'll let that slide. Great. So, according to a Decanter magazine, uh, Penfolds. Now that that's this uh, wine I have here, close with the cork. Penfolds brand ambassador of North Asia said. Quote, all imported wines from Penfolds to China use natural corks. But in Australia, screw caps are dominant and used for top tier wines. So obviously, the more wines that go to Australia, the more wines will be closed with corks. Meanwhile, those, those Napa wines and those wines from the rest of the US that were being sent to China, they were most likely in, screw, in, in corks already. So maybe they'll be sold for lower prices in the US. Mm. But overall, corks will, I think, benefit from this 
latest trade tiff between the U.S. and China. Oh, but there's there's really no difference in terms of tastes that you would get. So, right. I, I mean, the thing is, I, I mentioned TCA, the cork taint. That problem has almost entirely gone away. And, and Yeah, so do you think that Chinese consumers might start to realize this? Well, you know, even a lot of U.S. consumers haven't realized this. I, I know that, you know, cork has improved, but also screw caps have improved. Screw tops are a lot easier to open, easier to close. Less antiquated. Less antiquated. You don't get cork bits in your wine. You don't have to, to find, I mean, wine, like, let's be honest. Wine is the most user-unfriendly thing in this world. It, it's delicious, but it comes in these huge bottles. You need a special piece of technology to open them that's almost impossible to operate. It's dangerous. You, you have to, to figure out how to open it. Once you open it, you can never close it again, and the, and the wine will become ruined if you don't finish it, and yet the serving size is like for three people. It's right. the weirdest thing. Right. I mean, what is going on here? Why are we Why are we doing this? I've been so embarrassed when I've had to open up bottles of wine in front of friends because I have to like, you know, they're talking, they're chatting, and then suddenly I have to figure out how to, you know, and I don't drink that much wine. So when I do have to do it, it's almost like this performance. Yeah, I was going to ask, you, you mentioned you were a super taster. Oh, oh, this again, yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? Okay, so basically... This was in the laptop, I asked if you drank beer and you said, no, I'm a, I'm a super taster. Right, so a little... Ex- Bose there? Is that it? Sure. Okay, so uh, yeah, I don't drink much wine for the same reason I don't drink much beer. Um, and that's because I am a super taster, which basically means I have more taste buds per square inch on my tongue. So okay. everything is like a lot stronger. Um, and that means that bitter flavors are like really intense. Very, very useful in the hunting and gathering stages because I would be able to maybe taste poison because poison is, is bitter cool. uh, a little bit better. Uh, so you would send me out for that. But nowadays... What happens to me, I just really don't like the taste of beer or wine. I, I can drink it sometimes, yeah. just not very often. Actually, a definition of wine is that it's, it's bitter. Like, if it's not bitter, it's technically not. Wine? Wine's part of the way, way you define it. Ah. So, so, But you would be very good at tasting wines. and you, you, would, you would actually be able to sense this cork taint very well. Yes, I probably would be a very good wine sommelier. Sure, but but at least but a quality quality control you'd be. Oh, I'd be, yeah, stick me in quality control. Why not? Um, so 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 anyway, just just zooming out here. I, I think what's what's really interesting is that we're, we're talking. We've talked about China using their hard power, but the soft power of Chinese consumers, the just the collective decision making of people in China saying, "I like screw tops." No, I like corks, or or maybe 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 they'll say, "You know what? We don't really like red wines. We really like." Rosés and orange wines, for instance, mm. that's a, been a trend in the U.S. And if these, you know, these changes on the part of Chinese consumers, if they're all now, obviously, there are many different parts of China. Scale. It's hard yeah. to, you know, lump all the Chinese people into one group. But you know, there is some unification. And there are trends culture. going on. And there are trends. And if the Chinese, if Chinese people change in mass, like this, will have a profound effect. It, it, it's almost like the U.S. Uh, the U.S. consumers aren't the only people that all international firms have to cater to. Right, and so they, there will be changes maybe in certain products. Uh, but that's a huge thing because, you know, even though you can't necessarily lump everybody in, in China into one demographic, there is a rising middle class that we know for sure. There yeah. are changing preferences. And so whether it relates to wine or maybe chocolates or coffee, there's all sorts of other, uh, or luxury goods, there's all sorts of other um industries that are affected by this as well. Yeah, and so, I mean, it's interesting because China has been an exciting source of growth for companies. 
And as the growth sort of levels off because they're just getting so big, I mean, they're, they're about to become the second largest consumer of wine in the world behind yeah. only the US, it, it will be a sense of, it will lead to anxiety as well. Huh. It will lead to companies not just saying, not just talking about earnings costs, oh, and we can go into China. They're talking about, oh my God, these Chinese consumers want something totally different from what we've been producing. They'll we need, need to, to drink out a way. more wine. Yeah, we, we need to figure out another way. Okay, I guess we should put a cork in it. Sounds like a plan. All right, uh, you can catch us on Real Vision, the video version, every week on uh, uh, Under the Knock-On Effect. That's our show, as you know. Um, and you can listen to the podcast version every Thursday under your podcast feed in Real Vision Presents, which you probably know because you're already here, but you know, just in case. And also, if you want more on the markets and the economy, make sure to check out realvision.com slash knock on effect, where you can sign up for your 14-day free trial. And just a final note, yes, do, do sign up for that. That's, that's an amazing deal. Just a final note is that you know, we're kind of trying new stuff here, so if you enjoy what we're doing, or I guess if you don't like it, uh, send us an uh, email at podcast at realvision.com, and we're happy to answer your questions about which wine you should order with that steak and, and also take Alex time. really does know. He has good recommendations. Oh, thank you. All right. See you guys. Bye. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.